Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, a very important yet often neglected aspect of our growth in Him is having a lifestyle of growing repentance. Do you have a lifestyle of going before Jesus and repenting and asking forgiveness for ungodly thoughts and words and actions? The closer we grow to Jesus as his disciples, the more we see the areas of our life where we are not like him. Let's open our Bible now and learn how we can begin to walk in the joy of repentance. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Friday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I believe this is the ninth teaching in the series, A Disciple of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to talk about repentance and what is repentance and how is it, how is it important in the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. All the things that we've been discussing, all the different tools, all the different spiritual disciplines, spending time in the Word of God, spending time in prayer, uh, spending time in praise, spending time in thanksgiving, spending time in worship, all of these things are, are tools given to us by our Heavenly Father to help us grow in our relationship and in our intimacy and in our walk with Him and with our Lord Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit. Um, and repentance is not a, uh, you know, is not a spiritual discipline often discussed. It's not, uh, you know, it's not something that uh, when most people hear it, that they like to hear. Um, Repentance is something that's, uh, you know, in my life, it's, it's something that is a, is a genuine joy. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not, I'm not happy that I have to repent. The very nature of repentance means that something is out of place. But what I'm excited about is that, is that the Holy Spirit is revealing to me an area of my life, whether it be in my belief or whether it be in my actions, whether it be in my words, uh, an area of my life that's that's out of place. And I'm excited that, that I'm gonna be able to put that in order because I know that when I put it in order um, and the more often I put it in order and the more completely I put that area in order, the closer I'm gonna grow to Jesus, the more I'm gonna desire Jesus. And it's it gets more and more exciting the more we are walking in unity and in conformity with Jesus, the closer we're walking in agreement with him, the more obediently we're walking with him, the more we're going to experience him, the more we're going to desire him, the more we'll be able to, to touch heaven, so to speak, the more we will experience his presence in our lives, the more we'll see him moving in every aspect of our lives. And that's that's just exciting, right? I'm sure that every one of us would be excited if Jesus just just showed himself to you today, you know, physically, meaning he just appeared to you and you could see him with your natural eyes and hear him with your natural ears. Well, the more we grow in applying ourselves as a disciple of Jesus Christ, the more we grow in reading and studying and obeying the word of God, the more we grow and have times of, of growing prayer, uh, not only for ourselves, but for others. The more we grow in spending time each day in praise and thanksgiving and worship, the more we grow in, in spending time in repentance, right? And then after this teaching, we'll do, a, it may be a three-part teaching, but the more we grow in using our time, our gifts and talents, and our money, our treasure, um, the more we grow in serving Jesus with our time, our gifts and talents and our treasure, um, the more that we are, are active in all these things, the more we'll grow to know him and uh, just the more exciting our relationship with him will be. And if most of us would, you know, most of us would admit that, you know, our relationship with Jesus really, really generally isn't that exciting. Right, Nathan? So, Father, we do thank you for your word. 
We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that we get to repent. Father, we thank you that there is a, a joy of repentance. And Father, I ask you to help us one and all this day to begin this journey in the joy of repentance. Father, we thank you for this tool of repentance we have. We thank you that we, we get to repent, Lord. Father, we thank you that there's no condemnation for us. There's no shame. There's no guilt. But Father, we get to genuinely repent as you reveal to us things that are out of place in our life. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see just the areas of our belief where we need to repent. Ears that hear where, where, we're, you know, where we're out of place in our walk with Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us hearts to understand, to understand your word more deeply and more intimately. But above all, Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear him. Lord Jesus, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands now. In your name we pray, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, thank you, Lord Jesus. I have my coffee here with my wonderful May mug, my beautiful wife May, and this, this mug says May all over it about 20 times. I don't know where she got it. Uh, obviously, someone made it for us. So, All right, so we're going to begin... Um, we're going to go to Second Chronicles 30, verse 9. And I'm going to start reading. It's going to be 9b. Second Chronicles 30, verse 9b. Okay? B means I'm going to start reading from the second half of the verse. For the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. Ezekiel 18.32, Ezekiel 18.32, for I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord, repent and live. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Luke 15, verse 7, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So we're going to begin with understanding that the difference between repentance for unbelief and then repentance in our actions or in our words and they're different. And there's also a difference between an unbeliever who comes to repentance and then a believer who has a lifestyle of repentance. So all repentance begins. So in all of our lives, in every single person alive today, all 8 billion people in the world need to begin to repent. To repent means to turn and go the other way. That's simply what it means. To repent means to, to turn and go the other way. And that always begins with changing our mind, with changing our thinking, and in as much changing our actions. We will not change our actions until we first change our thinking. So again, all repentance, okay, all turning and going the other way uh, regarding things that we're not believing correctly, things we're not doing correctly, that all begins with a change in our thinking. So for every human being in the world today, your repentance will begin with, with changing your mind regarding any unbelief that you have regarding the Word of God, the Bible, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and the Gospel of God which is the only way for us to be forgiven of our sin, to come into relationship with the triune God and to ultimately go to heaven when we die. So all repentance begins with, with changing our thinking, repenting of anything we're believing that's not in line with 
the Bible, the word of God. So when you look into your heart, do an examination. Are there things in your heart that, that you that you know in your heart and in your mind that where you're, you're not believing consistent with the word of God? Things that you know that the Bible teaches, but yet, you know, you would say, yeah, I don't know if that, if I believe that or not. That's going to be the beginning of repentance. Okay. You want to repent of any unbelief in your life. Now, if you have not genuinely believed and trusted, if you're not genuinely relying on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, and to ultimately go to heaven where you die, that's where it must begin. Okay. You cannot have a lifestyle of repentance. You can't have a lifestyle of growing to be more like Jesus until you have first received Jesus. Now, after you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then uh, repentance regarding how you speak, how you live, and how you act will, you know, will begin that process. But until you've repented of your unbelief, until you've repented of not believing in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, you can have no lifestyle of repentance. So we cannot change our actions until we first change our unbelief. And that's what we read in those first four scriptures, right? When we read 2 Chronicles 30, verse 9, Ezekiel 18, 32, um, Luke 15, 7, 2 Peter 3, 9. Look at Mark 1, 14 and 15. Mark 1, 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Verse 15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Okay, listen to that. Jesus speaking, saying, repent and believe the good news. So when you look inside your heart and mind, when you look inside your heart and mind, Nathan, can you see any place in your heart and mind where you're not believing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is there any unbelief regarding the fact that Jesus Christ is your only hope? Do you believe right now, do all of us believe right now, one and all, that we are hopeless, helpless, and desperate? And without Jesus, only eternal hell awaits separated from our triune God, right, Rap? This is what the Bible unambiguously teaches. So the first thing that we need to repent of, if, if we haven't, is, is any unbelief regarding Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world and the only hope for us to spend eternity in heaven, the only hope for us to have eternal life, okay? Look at uh, Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew 3, verses 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Luke 5, 31 and 32, Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay. Every one of us are sinners. Even after we receive Jesus Christ, you know, we're not, it's not our identity. We don't walk around saying, oh, I'm just a terrible sinner, but we are in fact still sinners because we still do sin. Now, after we've received Jesus Christ, when we become Christians, when we're laboring to live a life as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we begin a lifestyle of examining ourselves and repenting over different areas of sin in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. But before, before we can do any of that, we first have to repent of any unbelief in our lives regarding the good news of Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew 21, verse 32. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Okay, do you hear that? You did not repent 
and believe. So repentance, the beginning of repentance is to change your mind about anything that you believe that's not consistent with the word of God. To change your mind about anything you don't believe that is very clear in the word of God. So I'll ask again, are you believing today? Do you believe today that the Bible is the living word of God? The scripture is clear that our Bible is the word of God. When we read it, it's not just a, a cool book. It's not a good book written by men that has a lot of good suggestions in it. You're actually reading the word of God. If there's any part of you that's not sure that the Bible is the word of God, you simply now want to go before Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I do repent. And I do ask you to forgive me for, for not taking you at your word, for believing that I have some, some understanding that I know better when I haven't believed that the Bible is the word of God. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Now, as the word of God, the reason we believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, the reason that we believe that Jesus is God the son, the reason that we believe that Jesus, our God, became a human man, lived a perfect righteous life on our behalf that we could never live, died a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died and was raised from the dead. The reason we believe that is because it says it in our Bible. So if there's any aspect in you right now where you don't believe that, where you don't believe that Jesus came into this world and lived the perfect righteous life on your behalf, then died a torturous death on your behalf and was raised from the dead, you, you want to repent of that unbelief. You simply go before Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I do repent of not believing the good news of the gospel. Lord Jesus, I do believe that you are the son of God. And I do believe, Lord Jesus, that you did come into this world, a world you created, and lived a perfect righteous life on my behalf that I could never live. And I believe that you died a torturous death on the cross that I should have died. And Lord Jesus, I believe that you are alive and risen today. I do repent and I do believe in you as the savior of the world, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's where all repentance begins, okay? It begins in changing our thinking. If there's anything, any ridiculous thing that you're believing today, I can't stress this enough, Scott. If there are any thoughts floating around in your head that, that are contrary to the Bible, we want to begin our repentance with that, okay? We want to change our, our, our thinking about anything that we believe in this life in any way. If there's anything you're believing now, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, or relationally in your life that's not consistent with what the Bible teaches, that's where our repentance is going to begin, okay? Once we've repented of not believing the gospel, once we've repented of not believing that Jesus Christ is the Savior, once we've repented and believed in the Word of God and received Jesus Christ as Savior, we then want to repent of anything else in our lives. We want to change our thinking about anything that we have believed or are believing that's not consistent with the word of God. And we want to, we, we want to proclaim our belief in it and then ask Jesus to help us with it. Lord Jesus, we do ask you to help us today to believe your word when it speaks to every aspect of our lives, Lord Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit. Convict us, Holy Spirit, to believe the word of God, to believe the word of our Heavenly Father in all matters relating to us, whether it be spiritually, whether it be physically, whether it be emotionally, whether it be financially or relationally. Help us, Holy Spirit. Convict us. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear that we would believe the living word of God and the Bible for every aspect of our living in every manner and every way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look at Acts 2, 36 through 38. 
Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. This is Peter speaking. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Okay, so you remember we said that repenting is turning, doing a 180 and going the other way. Okay, again, so now that you've understood, now you want to spend time, okay? You want to have a, a time of introspection. And it's good to do this. It's, it's just good to have times throughout your day where you have a, a time of in, introspection, looking inside yourself, examining your thoughts and your emotions and, you know, and just how you're thinking and, and just seeing any ways that, 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 you, that you're not, your belief is not grounded in the Bible. Now, remember, the first, the first discipline, the first thing that we need to be practicing to be a growing disciple of Jesus Christ is spending time reading and studying and obeying our Bible every day. Every day you ought to be spending time in the Bible so that you can understand what it is that you've been commanded to believe and obviously then commanded with what to do and how to live. Most of us don't understand that, that the scripture doesn't recommend to us what to believe. The Bible commands us not only how to live, but commands us on what to believe as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So after now that we've come to repent of of ungodly beliefs, whatever they are in our life. Now we turn to <clears throat> repentance as a lifestyle, right, Kristen, for believers in Jesus Christ. As a believer in Jesus Christ today, as a Christian, as someone, right, Linz, who's trying to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, how much time do you spend throughout the day in genuine repentance before the Lord? How much time do you spend in repentance, and, and we'll call it call it confession, to God the Father, to God the Son Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit? Uh, when we when you go before God in repentance, <clears throat> you can go before your heavenly Father, you can go before the Lord Jesus Christ, or you can go before the Holy Spirit. They are all God, one God, three separate, distinct, individual persons, and in Jesus we have relationship with all of them. And we can and should practice confession and repentance before all of them as believers in Jesus Christ. So again, ask yourself, Matthew, look inside yourself, Scott. How much time do you spend going before your heavenly father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit in just in repentance? Throughout most of my days, uh, almost every day, if not every day, I will have times or a time where... I'll naturally gravitate to some kind of repentance. I'll go before the Holy Spirit or Jesus or my Heavenly Father, and I'm just, I'm grieved over, over say, some thought process that I've had where I've just allowed myself to stay irritated, or maybe where I was offended, or, or where I was frustrated, um, or, or, you know, where I was, uh, I was bothered by someone that said something to me or, say, was disrespectful or something like that. And, and I'll have to repent over it. So as believers in Jesus Christ, those who are wanting to be disciples of Jesus Christ, repentance begins in our thoughts. Okay, so again, I'm speaking about now repentance. We've gone from repenting over, over believing, over ungodly beliefs. We've gone from repenting over not believing what the Bible says or, or repenting for believing things that, that are contrary to what the Bible says. So now we move over to repentance as a lifestyle, okay? As believers in Jesus Christ, when you woke up today, there, there, there ought to be a, uh, a time, and again, it doesn't have to be for 20 minutes or 15 minutes, or, it can be for a minute, right? Where you just recognize, where the Holy Spirit reveals something to you, 
and you simply go before the Lord and you confess it and you repent. All right, look at Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17. Psalm 51, 16 and 17. This is uh, David speaking. He says to God, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So in order for us to have a lifestyle of repentance, we first have to have the humility to understand that that, that we do need to repent, that, that as Christians and as disciples of Jesus Christ, there are areas of our life that, 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 that we are not living as Jesus would have us to live. There are areas where we're not emulating Jesus. We're not, we're not, we're not apprentices of Jesus. There are things in our life, there are thought life, um, the way we speak, the way we think, in the way we live our lives, our actions, the things we do, regrettably often, right? Clouds are not consistent with the way that Jesus would have us live and the way that he lived. And so this is going to begin with having a broken and contrite heart. What is a contrite heart, right? Rap, uh, Rap said yesterday that it means that we have contrition. It means that we're, we're sorry, okay? Um, that we are sorry and grieved over whatever area of our life is out of place. Now, you don't. It's, it, this is not for you to be beat down. It's not for you to say, oh, I'm so terrible, I can't do anything. Again, um, what I've been talking to my wife about um, is that I want to have what, what I've termed, I haven't heard this anywhere else, but the joy of repentance that that. I want to be I, I'm, I want to be excited when the Lord shows me something that's out of place in my life. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not happy by any means that that I'm that I'm thinking or speaking or acting in a sinful way. I'm not happy about that. I'm convicted about that. I'm grieved about that, but I'm excited that the Holy Spirit has revealed that to me so that I get to repent because I know that when I repent, I am going to grow closer to Jesus. So again, it begins with this, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. Okay, so a, a broken and contrite heart is a heart that's, that generally understands an area of your life that, that's just not consistent with Jesus and you know you're you're grieved about it. You're convicted about it. You, you know you you, you know you do feel um, contrition over it, and and you do want to make that right with the Lord. We cannot repent if we don't come from a heart of humility, a heart of understanding that you know this is not a uh, a manner or way that the Lord is calling us to think, or calling us to speak, or calling us to live. So. Father, we do ask you, we ask you to help us, Father. We know, Lord, that your word is said that a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. So, Father, we ask you to help us to begin to have a, a heart, as your word tells us, that is, that is broken over the areas of our life that are out of place, and a heart that has genuine contrition, Father, that we may, that we may have a genuine repentance. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Look at Joel, the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. When we're living in disobedience before the Lord, and I'll say it again, all of us as Christians and as disciples are living, right, Esther, in, in you know, different levels of dis disobedience. Um, all of us have different levels of sin in our life. 
the, the closer we grow to Jesus, the more we have a lifestyle of spending time with him as a disciple, the more we're growing and spending time in the scriptures, spending time in prayer, spending time in praise and thanksgiving and worship, spending time in repentance, spending time serving him with our time, talent, and treasure. The more we do that, the closer we grow to Jesus and the closer we are to him, the more clearly we can see the areas of our life that are out of place, all right? So Joel says, rend your heart and not your garments, meaning, you know, uh, in in uh, you know in Jesus's day and in the Old Testament, they would they would rip their garments open. But what's important is not that we, you know, it's not a physical manifestation, but that our that we repent in our heart. That you know, in our heart, we we look at our lives and we go before our heavenly Father, and we simply speak to Him and say, Father, you know, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me for that just that that line of thought. I ask you to forgive me for my just my frustration and my irritation, Lord. I do forgive that person. Mm. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. So again, one of the great aspects of repentance is that as, as believers in Jesus Christ, as disciples of Jesus, God the Father is our heavenly Father, Nathan. And as a loving Father, he does discipline us. And discipline is not fun. Discipline in the life of a believer of Jesus Christ, discipline in a disciple of Jesus Christ, comes in the way of trial and hardship and difficulty. Does that make sense? So, so whenever in your life, whatever aspects of your life, and all of us can recognize this, anything in your life that you feel is a trial, that you believe is a difficulty, that is some hardship you're going through, at some level, we are genuinely experiencing discipline from our, from our Heavenly Father. Now, hear me. It's not a gumball machine. It's not like, you know, like like every wrong thought or every bad thing I do, our Heavenly Father is punishing us. But when we do live in a consistent lifestyle where we're not living in line, right? Not living obediently to the Word of God and the Son of God, our Heavenly Father does discipline us. And, you know, the Hebrew writer tells us in chapter 12, right, Sujit, that, that no discipline is pleasant, right? But painful. So again, when we're dealing with, with different types of pain, whether it be, again, um, you know, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, wherever the hardship or the difficulty or the frustration is in relationships, in work, or in anything in our life, we want to, again, examine ourselves and see where our Heavenly Father is, 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 is trying to get our attention. And he's either, either, either causing the difficulty in our life or he's allowing it, but Either way, he he wants to use it that that we would you know we would walk more uprightly and obediently before him, and it says that he's slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. I, I, yes, I would like my heavenly Father to relent from disciplining me. I, I don't enjoy discipline. I don't like it. I know it's there for my good, but but I don't enjoy it. Again, the, uh, we've used this scripture throughout this teaching, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, throughout this whole series. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Perhaps no greater scripture on on lifestyle repentance than this. All right, hear that again. Look at this, Pop. If my people who are called by my name, look at this, Corinne, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You see that, Corinne? So, you know, we begin by humbling ourselves in repentance. We we go before our Heavenly Father. We go before Jesus. We go before the Holy Spirit in humility, and we pray. And in repentance, you notice, we, we seek His face. Generally, in prayer, we're seeking His hand. We're often in prayer looking for what we 
we can get for him. And we're, we're told to do that. Okay, we are to pray uh, for things that we want and need uh, on behalf of ourselves and others. But in repentance, you're seeking his face. You're seeking the face of Jesus. You humble yourself and you just, you're just seeking him, not just what you can get for him. And it says, and turn from their wicked ways. Again, we've said it several times. Repentance is to turn, you know, to change your mind, beginning with your thinking and then in your actions, right? Um, to turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So, so we, we want to go before our heavenly father. We want to begin to have this lifestyle of going before him, right, Susan? And and praying and seeking his face and in, in whatever the, the disobedience is in our life. Again, it's, it, it, it's, it's not a show. It's not about feeling terrible about it. Of course, we ought to feel grieved, but it's just about, about seeing, having eyes that see, drawing closer to Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, having eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand ways that we're not living in an upright way before him in ways that we're living in disobedience in ways that we're speaking that are, that are not godly in, 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 uh, in genuinely humbling ourselves and repenting of that disobedience. And, and it says that he will hear from heaven, will forgive our sin and will heal our land. So Whatever areas of your life today, and all of us have things that, that we're not happy about in our life. All of us have, have frustrations in different relationships. We'll often have frustrations financially. Um, um, we may have physical things or sicknesses or diseases that are wrong with us. Um, we, we, you know, we're consistently in emotional pain. Um, you know, so there's just, uh, there are consistently things that are out of place and again, not everything is just, you know, not every problem in our life is a result of, of us doing something wrong. But our Heavenly Father does use our disobedience as, as a means to bring discipline in our lives so that we will examine ourselves and we will repent over our sin. And so again, you want to begin a lifestyle today. Look at 2 Corinthians 7 verses 8 through 10. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthians, and he says, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, and this is a letter that he wrote them, and, and he was rebuking them about ungodly living, an ungodly lifestyle. He says, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance for you became sorrowful as God intended. And so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So, so Paul writes this letter to the church at Corinth and we have this letter in our Bible. This is the letter of second Corinthians and so in his letter, he wrote them very sharply about, as believers in Jesus Christ, about those who would be disciples of Jesus Christ, they had, they had substantial areas of their life where they were not living consistently in the will of God, based on the word of God and the son of God, Jesus Christ. And he wrote them a, a harsh letter and they, they were hurt by what he said, um, and he said he, he regretted it because, you know, it wasn't his heart, you know, to, to make them, you know, just be beat down. And as, as preachers and as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, it ought not be our heart to make people just feel beat down and feel sad. That should never be our motivation. You know, uh, you know oftentimes we do have to be firm when we're exhorting ourselves and exhorting others in repentance but it ought not be to make them just feel beat down. It ought to, it, it's because we're wanting to, it ought to be because we're wanting to lead our brothers and sisters in Christ in, in the way of repentance. It's important that we have accountability and repentance. Here the Apostle Paul is exhorting the Christians in Corinth, those who would be disciples, 
uh, to have a lifestyle of repentance over various things in their in their walk with Christ that were out of place. He says, even, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. So Again, there ought to be a, a, a sorrow, a grief, a conviction. But then just as quickly, there ought to be an excitement, a joy of repentance, because you genuinely repent and go before Jesus and ask for forgiveness and acknowledge humbly just that area of your thinking or that area of, of your speaking um, or that area of some action in your life, something you're doing that's not not in line with the word of God, that's so disobedient to the word of God. You repent, and it says the Lord will relent, right? Over over, over whatever, you know, whatever complete discipline he may have given. When we repent, we don't undergo the same discipline, Jason, right? That we otherwise would have. We're, our heavenly father is still gonna discipline us, but he may fade some of the discipline. Undoubtedly, he will, he will relent from the level of discipline that he otherwise would have put us through, okay? Just like any child, okay? When we're raising our children, if we know they're genu genuinely sorrowful and they genuinely regret what they did and they earnestly are, are, you know, know that what they did is wrong and they're working to do better, of course we're not gonna implore the same level of discipline or apply the same level of, level of discipline that we otherwise would. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. So again, in the fear of God, in the genuine fear of our Heavenly Father, fear knowing that He loves us enough and that He will discipline us, we want to have a lifestyle of repentance, okay? Again, what does that mean? Look at Matthew uh, 3, verses uh, 7 and 8. This is John the Baptist. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, that's kind of a hard word, son of snakes, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Now he's talking to the church leaders, to the big high spiritual leaders of his day. He says, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Verse eight, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. A very powerful verse, okay? So as believers in Jesus Christ, we're called to be fruitful. We're called to bear fruit for the Son of God and the kingdom of God. Um, and we're going to talk about that in the, in the upcoming teachings, in the final teachings of this series, A Disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the topics is going to be about bearing fruit in the kingdom of God and what it is and what that looks like. Um, but a key aspect of producing fruit is, is a lifestyle of repentance, the more repentant we are for things that are out of place in our life, the, the, the more fruit we will bear. Now, this is an important point about repentance. One of the things I've seen in the church, and it's a, and it's a tremendous grief, is that, is that and, and, and it's in Christian leaders, it's often in us as Christian leaders, but it's in all of us, is if we don't have any, you know, just seemingly, you know, gross sin in our life, then we, we generally or often don't see, you know, the, the areas of life that we need to repent. I will say this. Um, if you do not have a lifestyle of repentance as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, and as a leader in Jesus Christ, then you're really not experiencing his presence. Okay? To experience the presence of the Lord before all the other aspects of what it means to experience the presence of the Lord is to experience a conviction for the areas of your life that are out of place. And as I already said, the more you grow in Jesus, the more that you ought to have a lifestyle of genuine repentance. And again, not repentance over like over things that are obvious but repentance over deeper things. The deeper you walk with Jesus, 
the more you'll be grieved over the fact that, you know what, Lord, I'm just, my mind is not as focused on you as it ought to be. Lord, I, you know, I know that I have been, you know, I, I've been thinking and spending too much time, you know, in, in, you know, in just in, in things that really don't bear any fruit. You begin to repent over, over deeper things. Okay. Um, you know, again, let's say as you begin with repent over, say, lying or, you know, looking at pornography or stealing um, or, or just being vulgar all the time. Just just obvious things that the word of God says not to do. OK, but as we grow and in those things aren't a part of our lives anymore, our repentance, right, Peyton, gets to be more refined. Our repentance grows and we begin to get grieved over over deeper things, perhaps an area where we didn't we didn't have compassion, perhaps an area where we didn't walk in in forgiveness. We we, we begin to repent over areas in our life where we haven't been virtuous, where we don't see growing virtue in our life. We begin to repent over areas of selfishness and self-centeredness. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, if you're a disciple, let alone a Christian leader, and you don't have a lifestyle of repenting over these things, over selfishness, then, then again, you're not experiencing his presence in a meaningful way, okay? Um, the closer you get to Jesus, who indeed is the most selfless person, the God-man to ever walk the earth, one of his great virtues was selflessness, and that's in contrast to one of our biggest difficulties as disciples, Lauren, which is selfishness, right? So again, when we just look in our lives and we saw, you know, we see areas of our lives where we weren't caring, where we weren't selfless, where we're just completely self-consumed and myopic, these are the areas we begin to repent over, right? And uh, that, that we just see these deeper things in our life. The more, the more deeply you walk with Jesus, the more joy of repentance you'll have in these areas, as opposed to as a new Christian, right? Or someone who's just beginning this process. Again, you, you may be repenting over just over obvious things that the Bible says, you know, um, the deeper you go, the more you'll repent, the more you'll have a joy in repenting over not being thankful, right? There's a grief in my heart when I'm just consistently not as thankful as I ought to be. I repent where I don't have a lifestyle of, of, of worshiping Jesus and, you know, in praising him as I ought. So again, the more you do this, the, the more, you know, the more you'll go deeper in your walk with Jesus and the more you'll grieve over, you know, not over obvious things, but over deeper things in your walk with Jesus. Look at Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5. Jesus speaking, Yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Wow. This is Jesus speaking. This is the risen Christ. This is some, you know, 50 years after his death and resurrection and ascension back to heaven. And Jesus says to, uh, to this church of Ephesus, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Now look how deep this is. You know, we can be, we can be active in church. We can be busy in church, right, Nathan? But we can have forsaken our first love. Most of us who have, really all of us who have walked with Christ, have at some level forsaken our first love. What's your first love? It's Jesus. We can be busy and active and, and, and all up in the church doing all the church stuff, but, 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 but not really have a heart for Jesus, not walking with Jesus. And Jesus says, I hold this against you. Have you, you have forsaken your first love. Revelation 2 verse 5, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. You notice this isn't an area of their belief. They were, when they were in love with Jesus, when Jesus was on their mind, they had a lifestyle and the things that, that they did that represented their love for Jesus, they had fallen off of that. They, had, they were still doing the deal. They were still going to church. They were still serving at church. But, you know, it had become more churchianity, so to speak, than, than Christianity. Going to church is a good thing. Serving a church is a good thing. But as believers in Jesus Christ, he 
needs to be our first love. Repent and do the things you did at first. So again, when you look back in your life, can you see a time where you were living for Jesus with more zeal and more excitement and were, were serving him and his kingdom in a more zealous way than man? Boom. You want to have a time where you go before him, you repent. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. And again, to begin to do the things that you used to do that you're not doing. There never should be a time in your life where you were serving Jesus with more zeal and more excitement than this day. Most of us could repent over that. All right. Look at Proverbs 1, verse 23. If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. Wow. If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. I'm going to stop there and we're going to do a part two to this teaching because I do have a lot of scriptures left and I did uh, and I've already skipped some scriptures because um, we're going to get into confession and what does confession look like. Um, so we're, we're going to stop there. I mean, we're rolling 50 minutes now. Um, and so we're going to do part two of this. And I, I don't know what the title will be, Repentance slash Confession. Uh, Nathan and Stephen and Kristen will figure that out. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for this incredible gift of repentance. Father, we thank you that we can come before you, that we can humble ourselves before you, and that we can repent of ungodly, unbiblical beliefs in our life, and that we can repent of ungodly words and unbiblical actions. We just thank you for this incredible gift of repentance. Holy Spirit, we ask you right now to reveal to us we ask you to reveal to us this day just areas of our life that are not that are not consistent with you that are not consistent with your word that are not consistent with how Jesus lived when he walked the earth convict us of ways of our thinking that are not in line with the word of God that we might joyfully repent and holy spirit i do ask you to to help us to walk in this joy of repentance. I ask you to bless us, that we'd be excited, you know, that we'd be first grieved, that we would be sorrowful, we would be regretful, that we would have contrition over areas of our life that are out of place. But then that, that, that would quickly be replaced with joy, knowing that as we repent, we will draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we will know him more intimately. Jesus, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. Father, we do commit this into your hands now. We ask you to seal this message to our hearts. Help us, Father, to go forward and begin to have a greater lifestyle of genuine biblical repentance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.